Turn with me to Acts chapter 13 and verse 42. Acts chapter 13 and verse 42. Many people love the story of the prodigal son with good reason, uh, because all of us at one time or another have been a prodigal. Um, and if you know the prodigal son, uh, he actually asked for his inheritance from his father early before his father passes, and he takes the money from the inheritance. He goes out and he wastes it with prostitutes and riotous living. Uh, and finally, he has almost nothing. And he's working for, for uh, uh, some people who have swine. And he's looking at the food the swine, the pigs are eating. And he wants to eat the pig food. That's how hungry he is. Finally, he says, you know, uh, my father's servants are doing a whole lot better than this. I think I'm just going to go home and I'm going to say, Father... I'm not worthy to be your son. I've wasted your inheritance, uh, and, and I'm not worthy to be called your son, but just make me like one of your hired servants. And so he's got his speech prepared, and he comes over the hill where his house is, and the father is actually watching and waiting for him to come. And he breaks out into a run. He throws his arms around him. The, the son's trying to give his speech, but the father's ignoring him. He says, get my best robe, put the ring on his hand and kill the fatted calf because my son has come home. Uh, did you know that's God's heart for us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God gave his son for you so that he uh, could forgive your sin and reconcile you to himself and save you by his glorious grace. And praise God, he has saved those of us who've trusted him by his grace. Uh, we all need grace. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Titus 3, 5 says, it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us with the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So we need God's grace and uh, Paul and Barnabas have been preaching the message of grace to the people at Pisidian Antioch. And they hear the message of grace, and it's wonderful to them, and they want to hear more. And so after the synagogue lets out, they follow Paul and Barnabas, and they say, Hey, we want to hear from you next week about this. Please come back. Tell us about the same stuff you talked about this week. We want to hear this great message of grace again. And so Paul encourages them to remain in the grace of God. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, and then he comes back the next week and he begins to speak. But the whole town, almost the whole town has showed up. And uh, the Jews who were in charge there began to be jealous, and they opposed Paul and Barnabas, began to ridicule what they were teaching. And uh, they ultimately got some influential people in the town uh, to put pressure on them, and ultimately they had to leave the town. But the message of grace had still been proclaimed. People had still trusted the gospel. And so the work of God continues on, and the church continues on in that place. And we learn later on that Paul and Barnabas come back and minister once again in this place. Uh, God's work cannot be stopped by the opposition of the enemy, and I praise God for it. 
So we need God's grace, and we need to repent and put our trust in Jesus for eternal life. If you don't know Jesus, that's, that's the key. Put your, put your trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, choose to turn from your own way to follow Christ uh, in, in faith, and, and God will save your soul. Uh, as God's people who know him, we also need to remain in God's grace because uh, God has given us that grace as a gift, and grace is what makes us free. Did you know that I don't have to measure up to be accepted by God? I have been accepted. I have been justified. God has shown me the grace of God. Why? Because I deserve it? No. Because Jesus deserved it in my place. Jesus suffered in my place, and he rose again. And so I hold to that grace, and every day that I live, I put my trust in the grace of God, and I walk by faith. Uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're, we need to remain in God's grace. And the title of my message is Remaining in God's Grace. So let's read this scripture beginning in Acts 13, 42. As they were leaving, the people urged them to speak about these matters the following Sabbath. After the synagogue had been dismissed, many of the Jews and the devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who were speaking with them and urging them, to continue in the grace of God. The following Sabbath, almost the whole town assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what Paul was saying, insulting him. Paul and Barnabas boldly replied, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we are turning to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and honored the word of the Lord, and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the prominent God-fearing women and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district. But Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. So remaining in God's grace. Why should we remain in God's grace? Or why should we choose to continue to believe and trust the grace of God? That's what it means to remain in God's grace. Well, first of all, we should remain in God's grace because we're saved by grace. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to go to heaven than by God's grace. What's God's standard? Perfection. Jesus said in Matthew 5, be you perfect as your Father in heaven's perfect. I'm not perfect. I don't know about you. Listen, the standard is too high. God's standard is perfection. None of us get there by meeting the standard. There is just one way to get there, and that is by the grace provided in Jesus Christ. He lived the perfect life that God required. He satisfied the justice of God for our sins by taking it upon himself at the cross. Uh, he took the wrath of God for my sin, the, the justice, everything that was needed. He, he paid the price for it. And the Bible says he said these words, it is finished. It is paid in full. And because of what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection, 
I can choose to repent and put my trust in Jesus and receive the grace of God uh, as a gift. I tell people, and the Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, wages, what I earn is death, hell, and separation from God. That's what I earn. But what I receive as a gift is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's grace. Somebody said grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. I love that. Uh, everything that we have in heaven, all of the blessings of fellowship with God, every good thing that God does for us or gives to us comes to us for one reason only, and that is because Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins, and he was worthy in our place, and God blesses us because of it. So you ought to remain in God's grace because it's the only way to be saved. We are saved by grace. Secondly, you ought to remain in God's grace because we draw near to God by grace. If you look up in uh, verse 39, uh, we didn't read this scripture, but this was, we covered this last time. It says, everyone who believes is justified, or, or those who believe are justified. The idea is a present passive idea. Uh, we continue and we are. We're receiving these things from God. So God is justifying. What has he done? Well, the moment I trust Christ, he justifies me. He clothes me in the righteousness of Christ. But every day after that that I live, he applies the benefits of that justification to my life. The benefits of it go on to eternity. Um, and so on that basis, I can draw near to Christ. Uh, Hebrews tells us to come before the throne of grace boldly. I come before the throne of grace boldly because Jesus has opened the way for me. Uh, he's, take, he's, he's settled all the issues between me and God so that I can come as a little child comes to sit in a daddy's lap. I, I can come with boldness. I can come in faith knowing that I'm received, that I'm accepted because of what Jesus has done. So we draw near to God by grace. Listen, I'm not drawing near to God because I've somehow arrived. Okay? Uh, if, you think, if, if you think you're worthy, I know some, some Baptists think they're worthy. They like to strut around and uh, act like they're the big shot. Listen, you're not worthy. The only worthiness in us is Jesus Christ. Praise God, because of my Savior, I can draw near to God by grace. So we need to remain in God's grace. Why? We're saved by grace. We draw near to God by grace. God makes grace a priority. Look at verse 43. He says, says, uh, Paul and Barnabas, who were speaking with them, and urging them to continue in the grace of God. Uh, so these folks follow them after synagogue lets out. They follow them. And what is the one thing God leads Paul and Barnabas to talk to them about? It's grace. God knows that they need to hear the message of grace. God makes it a priority here. By the way, did you know that Pisidian Antioch is in the region of Galatia? Paul later would write a letter called Galatians about what? About grace. And he would send that message to these very people here in Pisidian Antioch and in this region. Grace would be under attack. But God said, I don't want you to forget the grace that has been purchased for you 
in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something. Their grace is under attack at every corner in our culture and around the world. Satan hates grace because grace is the means by which God takes people out of his clutches and puts them in the kingdom of God. Every false religion is a religion of performance. You be good, you achieve. Only Christianity is we receive what Christ has done by grace. The cults, if you get talked to by the cults, they'll talk to you about works salvation. But we don't get saved by works salvation because we don't meet the standard. And so we must come by grace. There's just one way to come. And so God says, I want you to to talk to them about grace because it is the priority. If you don't get anything else, you get this. Salvation is by grace. The Christian life is by grace. I want to tell you something. Our God is good. Our God is so good. The scripture tells us his mercies are new every morning. And one of the things that amazes me about God is, you know, if I, if I was God, I would have given up on me a long time ago. But God continues to extend his grace to me. And sometimes I think, you know, God, if, if I were you, I wouldn't have done that. But you've forgiven me again. You've, you've blessed me again. You, you've extended your grace. I love what uh, Romans says, where sin abounded, there did grace much more abound. God's grace, how great it is. So, um, we're saved by grace. Why should we remain in God's grace? We're saved by grace. We draw near to God by grace. God makes grace a priority. Scoffers cannot stop God's grace. Verse 45, when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what Paul was saying, insulting him. So they're making fun of what Paul is teaching. They're opposing what Paul is teaching. Guess what? It can't stop the grace of God. God continues to extend his grace to these folks who believe, and he would continue to bring people to Christ in this area uh, with the same message of grace. They couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop it with ridicule. I was listening to the radio this week. I was talking about it in my Sunday school class, and I heard a man ridiculing Christianity on the radio. And uh, thank God there was a good response uh, to it um, by, by the radio host. But, but I'm going to tell you something. The devil has always tried to oppose the message of Christianity. He has always tried to ridicule and downplay the message of grace. Why? Because he knows it's life-changing. He knows that grace is what sets people free from sin. Listen, I want to tell you, I heard, had a lady in my church one time, uh, in a previous church, that uh, told me, she left my church and she said, she said, this message of grace, she said, I just don't believe in it. Uh, you preach a message of grace, people are going to do whatever they want to do. And she misunderstood. You see, grace is what enables us to live the Christian life that God wants us to live. How? Well, the Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. If true repentance is going to happen, God must show his kindness and grace. When, what about when I fail? How am I to have hope when the devil comes and he accuses me? How am I to have hope? I have hope by grace. What enables me to get up like that little toddler trying to learn how to walk? Boom. Uh, they get up. Boom. They get up. Boom. Right? And, and what, 
mom and dad are encouraging. Yeah, take another step, take another step, take another step. Mom and dad are on their team. That's what grace is. God's not against you. He's on your team. If you know Jesus Christ, he's for you. That gives me hope. That enables me to get up and continue on living a life that honors Jesus. Why? Because God's on my side, and every day his grace is enough to cover my sin. Every day he gives new hope and new life through Jesus Christ. And there's a power in grace. And here's what, what, what else grace does. Grace enables me not to serve God by duty, but to serve God with joy. Did you know what God really wants? Listen, if you're, if you're married today, do you want your spouse to serve you by duty or to serve you with joy? Right? Oh, I got to eat, eat lunch with you today. Okay, well, let's get it over with. Okay. Uh, is, is that what you want? No, you want, you want your spouse to, to have joy, and, right? And be, be glad to be with you. God's the same way. He doesn't want grudging obedience by people that think they have to do everything. He wants joyful obedience. And how does that happen? God changes our hearts through grace. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. God gives us a new sets of desires. He set, puts his Holy Spirit in with a, within us so that we can live that life that God has called us to live. Does God want us to live a holy life? Absolutely. But he wants us to live a holy life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and that is filled with joy. Uh, I, I, how important it is to understand grace. Scoffers can't stop God's grace. Uh, remaining in God's grace, why should we remain? We we're, should remain because we're saved by grace. We draw near to God by grace. God makes grace a priority. Scoffers cannot stop God's grace. God's plan for the world is grace. Uh, verse 47, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I've made you a light for the Gentiles, that is for the nations, to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Sometimes I hear people say, well, God, the God of the Old Testament was God of wrath. God of the New Testament is God of grace. Wrong. Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Did you know grace has always been God's plan? Before God ever said, let there be light, God knew your name, my name, he knew that we would blow it. He knew that we would sin. Uh, he knew that we would need a Savior. He already had planned the provision, and Christ had planned to give himself on our behalf. I would have just stopped right there. I thought, well, boy, if I'm going to have to do this, I'm just not going to create the world. But God created the world anyway. Grace has always been God's plan. Yes, God set apart the people of Israel. Yes, he gave them the Mosaic Covenant uh, to govern their nation until the time of Christ. But I'm going to tell you something. God didn't make a mistake. It's not like God said, okay, I got, well, the Mosaic Law didn't work. I got to come up with plan B. That's not it. No, God always had Christ in mind. And if you read the Mosaic Law carefully, you'll find that it anticipates Jesus Christ. It was always made to be temporary. So, so it anticipates Jesus Christ and looks to Jesus Christ. Why? Because God's plan has always been grace. 
Now, there's grace in the Old Testament, too. I'm not saying that there wasn't grace in the Old Testament. But, but the message of salvation in Jesus is God's new covenant blessing that was anticipated um, in Jesus Christ. So, uh, God's plan for the world is grace. And that's good news for us. Uh, Paul didn't just go to the Jews. He went to the Gentiles. Most of us are Gentiles. Maybe some of you in here are Jewish. I don't know. But uh, it's not just for Jews. It's also for Gentiles. Praise God. Uh, so, uh, why should you remain in God's grace? Well, we're saved by grace. We draw near to God by grace. God makes grace a priority. Scoffers cannot stop God's grace. Uh, God's plan for the world is grace. Joy comes through grace. I love what he says here. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced. They got excited and had joy. Look at verse 52. The disciples, even after Paul and Barnabas are running out of town, it says the disciples were filled with joy. Joy. Joy comes through grace. I remember, I'll never forget the day that uh, I've been struggling for about a year and, and just and finally, I came to the altar of our church, and I said, okay, God, I know I need to repent of my sin, and, and I, I know I need to trust you, but I'm struggling. Would you please help me? And, and, um, uh, and God did, and I, and I repented, and I put my trust in Jesus, and I remember it's like the weight that was on my shoulder. I was carrying a weight of guilt. The weight was gone. My sin was gone. You know what happened? I got joyful. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was so excited. I, I didn't. I, I had been taught tact. Nobody told me uh, you, you got to be careful how you approach people who are lost. I was just on fire for Jesus. I, I went and I I put. You remember they used to have those track racks. I went and got me a handful of gospel tracks and I went to school the next day. I put a track on every desk. People were looking at me like I was from Mars. But I was just so filled with joy. I was so excited about what Jesus did in my life. Can I tell you, listen, this, this hard situation that they're going through could not steal their joy. Paul and Silas later on are going to sing in the jail. How do you sing after you've been beat for preaching the gospel and you've been put in prison for preaching the gospel because the world can't take your joy. If you know Jesus, there's a joy in your heart that doesn't depend on circumstance as you walk in the filling of the Holy Spirit. So that joy can come no other way than by God's grace. Uh, I love what uh, Peter said uh, we have, we're filled with joy, uh, unexpressible. Uh, we can't even express the joy that we have as we think about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, listen, this is not the end, right? Okay, you got joy, you know Christ, but Jesus is coming. And it just gets better from here. One day there's going to be a place where there is no sin. There is no death. There is no heartache. There is no discouragement. There is no depression. 
It is going to be a time of hope and joy like we have never experienced. Now we see through a glass darkly, then face to face. Oh, the greatness of the joy that God can bring. It comes through grace. Why should you remain in God's grace? Remain in God's grace because we're saved by grace. We draw near to God by grace. God makes grace a priority. Scoffers can't stop God's grace. God's plan for the world is grace. Joy comes through grace. The Spirit fills us by grace. Verse 52, the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I can quench the Spirit of God by the sinful choices that I make. And I can mess up the fellowship with God that I have. It doesn't make me unsafe, but it messes up my fellowship. But praise God, the Bible says, if I confess my sin, He's faithful and just to forgive my sin, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And when repentance and confession take place, I can call upon the, the Lord and he will fill me with his spirit. I've seen this over and over and over again in my life. God fills me with his spirit. How? Because I deserve it? No. By grace. By grace. The fruits of the spirit are the character of Christ lived out in us and the power of Christ in us. Uh, the joy, one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. But uh, the, the Spirit fills us. And everything that we do in the Christian life, we do with God's strength. So we need the Holy Spirit for that. How do we get that? We get it through grace. Think about this with me for a second. Um, in the Old Testament, they built the tabernacle of God. They sacrificed sacrifices. They did everything God commanded them to do. And the Shekinah glory cloud came down upon the tabernacle and filled the place, and, and all the people were worshiping God because it was remarkable. God had never lived among a people like that before. Something even more remarkable happened hundreds of years later when Jesus came. The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us. Jesus himself, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, came and dwelt in human flesh. Uh, but there's something else wonderful that God does. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, the Bible says the veil of the temple was ripped in two. Why? Because God was saying, my presence is now available for everyone who puts his, puts his or her trust in Christ. Everyone, whosoever will may come. Jesus said, go uh, to Jerusalem, and you'll be clothed with power from on high. And they came, and because of what Jesus had done at the cross, now God could do a new work among his people. And the Spirit of God came at Pentecost, and the flames of fire were over each head to represent the fact that the Shekinah glory of God now was not in a temple or a tabernacle in the wilderness. It was in a human heart that Christ had cleansed and made fit for God's presence. The world will never be the same. Listen, I want to tell you something. We don't have to go to the tabernacle to find God's presence anymore. If you know Jesus Christ, he lives within your heart. The Spirit of God has taken residence in you. And you can be filled with the Spirit. How does that come? It comes by grace. It comes through what Jesus did at the cross. There is no other way. 
So we're to remain in God's grace. So if you're here today and you have never received God's grace, I've got good news for you. Whoever will, whoever desires to, can come. You can come and you can receive that grace today. Um, and, and Jesus paid the price in his death and resurrection, but you've got to make a choice, and that choice is, it's a choice of faith. It's a choice of trust. I'm choosing to turn from my sin in my own way to follow Jesus, to, to obey him, to let him be the leader of my life. I'm choosing in trust. And that does take some trust, doesn't it? Because you're entrusting your whole life to someone else. But it's a step of trust that God calls us to make. The Bible calls it repentance. Or declaring Jesus as Lord. Okay? Second thing is we receive the gift that God's given us. And that gift is Jesus. And he comes to live within our hearts. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave he the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe or trust in his name. So if you'll trust him today, and, and, by, and, and part of this decision of trust, I'm, I'm choosing to turn from my, own, my sin in my own way to follow you, Jesus, and I want to receive you into my life. That's your heart. I'm going to invite you to come here in just a moment. We're going to have an invitation. I'm just going to invite you to come here to the front, and you can just say, I'm ready, Pastor, and I'll know what you're talking about. And uh, we, can, we can pray a prayer together and settle this with the Lord. Uh, if you're here today and you know Jesus, and you've already made that decision, but um, perhaps you've believed the lie of the enemy. You've failed one too many times for God to use you. you you've you've uh, blown it, and, and God is through with you, and you believe the lie. And, for, and this morning, you've recognized that God is telling you, hey, my grace is sufficient to cover your sin. Maybe you just need to come to this altar and say, Lord, I trust you. I trust what your word says. I trust your grace. And Lord, I want to live in that grace. Give me the ability to, to, to walk daily in your grace and confidently to come to your presence. Um, maybe you're here today and God has led you to join the membership of the church. You've just sensed that in your heart. You sense this is where God wants you to be and to serve. And, uh, and you just need to make that official. Uh, you can come and do that this morning and get that process started in, uh, as well today if you'd like to do that. Uh, maybe you're here and God's touched your heart about something completely unrelated. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you need to come to this altar and repent of. Uh, maybe there's something that God's calling you to do and you just need to come say yes to Jesus. Whatever he has laid upon your heart this morning, I want to invite you to come and take care of business with him right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, for what you have spoken to us in your word. Help us respond to it now in faith and trust. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.